Hi guys, welcome back to my show, My Steps to Sobriety, on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview, and I've got Michelle Kraus with me. I was actually looking forward quite a lot to that interview. Uh, firstly, because the first time around when we tried, it was so atrocious with, with Zoom quality, which happens rarely. But, uh, you know, the, the, clearly the universe didn't want us to, to link up then. And today we made it just all perfect and it's wonderful. And sometimes you have to wait a little bit. Uh, it's just like in your recovery. Healing doesn't occur when you just actually want it. Right now I want to heal. Nah. Come on, get on, let's heal. <laughs> Sometimes it's not meant to be. And you, it takes a little time. So finally, Michelle, I've got you on my show. So thank you so much for coming on to my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, Michelle, you, you are a woman who has uh, discovered really a uh, ways how to really turn a body around and you're a doctor of physical therapy, but you're also a woman who is thinking far more holistic uh, about about the body. And for that, I want to dive into that. So uh, tell us a little bit, how did you get to become a doctor of physical therapy? What was your, was that something that you always dreamt about or or how did that materialize? No, so it's interesting. My backgrounds all really blend well together. So my undergrad was in psychology, and I thought that I would go get a PhD and, and do counseling. So I was very mind-centered. I was always very aware and curious about the mind and the way the mind worked, um, but I just wasn't ready to power through graduate school. And so I detoured into the financial industry because doesn't everybody do that? <laughs> and so that was not my calling. And I quickly realized that and started to kind of search around it and um, found physical therapy. I've been very lucky and blessed my whole life. I've never had any um, really illnesses. My family had it. So I didn't know about physical therapy or physical rehab and um, found it, fell in love with it, did the grad school thing. And, and off I went because I always had a passion for prevention and I went into the career thinking, oh, we can teach people, we can stop them from having pain. And unfortunately, once you get into the traditional model, uh, that's not quite how it goes. <laughs> and so you're seeing people in pain and very quickly, I started to see different comorbidities. So in school, you know, we were taught to screen for hypertension, um, high cholesterol, diabetes, those are kind of the three. I did a lot of contract work. So I worked around different areas. I was in urban centers. I was in rural areas and seeing a wide age range, diverse groups of populations. And all of a sudden, everybody's coming in with gastric reflux and anxiety, depression and hypothyroidism. And my mind's going, I don't I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. You know, um, so I started to dig deeper into, you know, what we all like to call 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 root cause medicine, you know, figuring out what the actual cause is of things and became much more aware of how much is out there, how much the body can heal itself. And kind of along that same journey, I was also starting to see that my clients, patients were coming in with a lot of emotional pain. That was really the underlying source of their problem. And we're not taught to listen to the beautiful whispers of our body. We suppress them in current society. And so then they become these screaming, roaring beasts, you know, and people are trying to, you know, 
<laughs> fix a burning building with a fire hose, you know, <laughs> when they could have so much earlier caught some of those symptoms. So that's kind of how I got into the area that I'm in now. And to to stick with your your picture there, uh, it is the burning building where we have heaped up heaps of kindling on the outside and then played with matches. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then toss that oil right on top of it too, because that looks fun. <laughs> Everything. Exactly, exactly right. And that is, you've just described the life of many of us. Um, and, but we are, we, I always say we have got a, a supercomputer up there, absolute, the, the world's best computer. And no one is giving us a user manual. So here we yeah. are pressing a few buttons. Oh, that feels good. What was that? Oh, alcohol. Cool. Oh, that feels good. I like it. And mm. ouch, that didn't feel good. What is that? Betrayal resentment anger okay oh no 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 you stay away from that don't even explore that just stay away from it and pretend it's not happening those kind of things so that's how we deal with our lives or most of us deal with our lives unless you finally come to a point where your foundations are uh, are rattled so much that you have to take a look into those things that you were avoiding and so that's now it, it's you're so beautiful because you're actually there from both sides. You have got the science side of the, the physical therapy where we look at, at ultrasounds and look at the, the muscles, how they work and tendons and you're a bit off kilter there. Cool. All very scientific. Whilst then the healing side uh, is, is a very different, different side. Um, so it, it either you either get fostered and, and nourished and, and supported in this kind of, of bringing together two, two seemingly opposite kind of things, or you get, you get discouraged. When you were working in your, in your previous positions, um, was there, were there other people who got equally interested in a wider look at things? Yeah, I, I came across a few people that were interested in it. You know, I mean, I know you're in the model or you've been in the model and it's just really hard when you're under that productivity pressure and you're under that time pressure because you lose the ability to have space to be time and space to think and be creative and to really almost be present. You know, it's like you have just like narrowed everything down into these like clinical pills and it's like, okay, you're a low back pain patient. We're going to start with A, B and C and then maybe we'll mix in something um and when you have gotten that you know over ten thousand hours where you're comfortable with it it's really easy to do um but i have found since i stepped away from that it's the time and space for creativity is where the beauty lies um and you really really get the sweet sauce also it, it, physical therapy is very outcome driven it's typically get the patient back to work or mm -hmm. get the patient, I don't know, to light duty. So something, whatever it is, there is clearly an outcome there. You've got six sessions, go for it. And what do you yeah. mean? There is a, there's a stop there. What do you mean? What do you mean emotional? We don't care about that. That was a work industry or there was a, an industry, in, uh, uh, sorry, an accident at work. Um, therefore, that is what we cover. We don't care about whatever other issues have arisen in this patient's life, isn't it? 
Well, and there was a duality and an opposition in the sense that like, yes, the insurance is saying, here's what you can do. You know, when the insurance starts to dictate what you as a clinician can do, that's where the frustration really, really hits you because you spend all this time and money and you have this passion. And I'm being told by somebody else who's not with me present in front of me, what I can do. And that really, really bothered me. Um, And they also didn't have a concern about pain. So the patients were coming in because of pain and function, limited function, but pain was the bigger one. And like you were saying, the insurance is driving. We don't really care what they're feeling like. Can they do X, Y, and Z better? And, you know, it's just, it's just a really big disconnect. So you've got to step outside of that model, in my opinion, to, to move into like a thriving, healthy state. Absolutely. And that is so important. And that is so beautiful that you have stepped out of that and allowed yourself to step out of that. Because I don't know how many physiotherapists is the way we call doctors of physical therapy here. How many physiotherapists are really just going to work, trying to make the money and, and, and going home? Uh, or going to work and still try to do as best as they can, but then the, the frustration is gnawing at them, and, and it's just, yeah, it is what it is. Um, no, I'm so pleased. It is because ultimately there is a saying, the issues lie in the tissues, mm-hmm. and that is so, so, so true. Um, and it's multifactorial. Um, so when you start stepping back, what did you initially do, um, i.e., so you 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 were you had this dual psychology and and doctor of physical therapy, but what did you actually do when you started stepping back? Uh, how did that really look like for you and for the patient? So you know, it kind of came about in the sense of I was able to start transitioning from full-time work into what we at the States called PRN. I'm not sure if that's what you have over there where it's just prerequisite needs. So, you know, if there's a vacation coverage, maternity leave, things like that, you could step in. So I started to give myself space because I really realized that the standard work week, it was, I was just burnt out. You know, I just couldn't, I didn't have any creativity. I didn't have any space. I was frustrated and reactive and, taking the weekends to recover and wanting something different, you know? And so (laughs) one of my favorite kind of thoughts is like, when you, when you keep seeing a pattern of behavior and you realize that you are the common denominator, (laughs) you have to start making some changes, you know? So (laughs) yeah, I wasn't happy and I was repeating the same behaviors and it was incumbent upon me to make a change. So I'd already started to move into a phase where I wasn't a full-time PT and I kind of was, you know, putting some opinions aside and, and going to work on building a practice. And then, you know, 2020, March, 2020 happened. And that was just a big change for everybody. And for the first time in my life, I was not able to find a job as a physical therapist for a period of time. You know, I mean, it, that came back, but it was, you know, probably six months where I had ended a contract. So I wasn't on contract. I lost my PRN job and my friends who were in full-time positions were in reduced hours, you know? And so it was, um, I was, it was almost just like the shell shock that I needed in the sense that I was like, it was so radical for us all that I was like, well, I don't want to go back to it anyway. So I'm just going to figure it out. (laughs) And off we went. (laughs) Brilliant. 
brilliant. And sometimes you need that that shell shock. That's probably actually a really good way of of describing mm-hmm. it. Um, and it whilst COVID and and other changes have been disastrous for many people. It also had a silver lining for many people who were actually pushed towards towards changing their lives, uh, often to the better, so many times to the worse, uh, because they they were not able to to do what you were doing. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I mean, I'm really really pleased for you that that occurred because without that you wouldn't be sitting here with me and and uh and having all those realizations so how does that look like so let's say i've got we take my example i ended up several years ago with a most atrocious achillotendinitis it's basically the Achilles tendon runs on the back of your calf down to the foot, and this this tendon um, is is beautiful when it works. I mean, it gets inflamed and it's sort of twice the size, and 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 every single step you take is agony. Then you know how feeling uh, how the feeling is when you're getting old, and you feel crippled when you feel oh. And that was me five years ago, due to uh, walking in the wrong shoes, going hiking in the, in the in the hills, and laying the wrong things on there. So, if I now came with that story to you, and were to say, "Hey, look, you know, this is me at the moment. Can you please help me? How would you approach me?" So don't really work with specific body parts anymore. I've really transitioned to working with the emotions and the body. So I work specifically now with people who are really struggling with stress and overwhelm right. and anxiety. Right. So sure, it can absolutely present in the physical body in different ways. But I always am very careful to tell people because they might come in with the expectation of like, so at the ankle, right, you'd be expecting like stretches and um, strengthening program, which is your traditional physical therapy. Um, And so I stay away from that because I've really um, niched down into what I believe are the foundational physiological um, mechanics of breathing and the lymphatic system. And that was not addressed in the traditional rehab scope. At least I very, very, very did a little bit of it at the end. And it is what sets up the rest of your chemistry in your body. And so if you can get that under control, then everything else starts to work so much better you start to trust your body again you start to be able to listen to the symptoms when they are giving you a little bit of an answer before they turn into the oh gosh i woke up and i can't walk you know type of thing and so right so right and and um you're already alluding to it that there are many other reasons what that that uh contribute to a disability or to pain etc in my case, this was a very real scenario. And for the better part of 18 months, I was crippled, literally. And I, a friend of mine did some experimental um, ultrasound shockwave therapy, which allowed me to get back function. I uh, was able to do maybe a thousand steps more or 2,000, but the pain was still seven, eight, nine out of 10 pain. Mm-hmm. 
then around about that time, I was also feeling very tired. I was feeling very down and out. And there were many other things uh, happening in my life. And I went down a nutrition route. And I went to a trusted nutritionist and said, hey, look, it, that can't be it. This can't be the rest of my life, man. Uh, mm -hmm. And he said, cool. Um, he took me apart. And he really analyzed me. And uh, in my case... Um, it turned out that there were a hell of a lot of food allergies um, that I suddenly had to deal with. So with that, I actually changed completely my nutrition. With that also, there was a different awareness on my body. There was a different, uh, different other healing happening there. Needless to say, not needless to say, wrong. To my utter surprise, two months later, my aculotendinitis had disappeared. My hay fever had disappeared. My nickling pains here and there had disappeared. So this is a true story. This is absolutely there, me, in reality. And uh, I had physiotherapists working on that for bugger all. So a traditional approach did not work whatsoever, even experimental uh, diff uh, traditional approach now. Nah. And then you actually look at the body as a whole and you look at holistically at it. And suddenly you think, bloody hell. Now yeah. you were, so that is my story. And I just want to share that because it is so out there from a, a doctor just said that, you know, for crying out loud, come on, is he, yeah. has he lost his marbles? No, <laughs> it just shows that there is so much more to pain and to, to a problem than, than we like to believe. And mm -hmm. that for me, it was nutrition, but also I've changed other things in around that time. So it, here you go. And you were you were referring to two particular techniques, the breathing and the lymph drainage. Uh, why don't we go into uh, let's do the breathing first. Let's uh, oh, your call, your call. What? Yeah, why okay. would you? Wh why would because... you? Why would you think about the breathing? <laughs> right? <laughs> because we're not thinking about breathing and we all have bad breathing patterns, which sets up the whole physiological process in the body in a negative feed forward cycle. So my quick thing about breath is you can go for extended period of time, weeks, some months, some people say longer than that without eating. You can go a couple days without any sort of hydration, but you can only go a couple minutes without gas exchange before there's very significant deleterious effects in the body. Mm. So it is an automatic function in the body for us to have respiration, that gas exchange to occur. But the actual breathing and breathing mechanics gets much, much more in detail very fast. So most humans today shallow breathe and they breathe through the chest. So they're breathing too rapidly in the front of the chest, which overuses Mm-hmm. Yep. And you see already whilst yeah. I'm doing it, my my yeah. arms go yeah, up. You see shoulders moving. <laughs> exactly. So the gas exchange is off, your acid balance is off, every every part of the body gets thrown off. So it's it's a negative cycle. Um and it's and it's appropriate to do under certain periods of time, but it's not the way that we should breathe. But because we come out of the into the world and we're breathing we don't ever talk about it. You know, it's just, it's never, it's never thought about. So teaching people that, yes, 
there is a muscle called the diaphragm. It sits below your rib cage. It is supposed to move not only to the front, but to the side and to the back, because there's also, there's so many breathing practices out there, but there's this really big con concept to take a deep breath, but a deep breath still is engaging the shallow muscles. It's not, it should be a light, a light anterior medial and, and posterior breath. It should be that 360. And when you start to realize that the diaphragm should move in all those directions, if you put your hands around your waist and you give yourself some support and you try and feel it, you'll be very surprised that it's probably challenging for you to move in a few different directions. Um, and so when you start to be able to expand fully, that is going to bring all those physiological symptoms, systems, excuse me, physiological systems back online. And the biggest thing when I work with the, the stress and the overwhelm and the anxiety is the um, overactivation of the sympathetic nervous system or the fight or flight, which, you know, we have not evolved enough to know that the phone that's ringing, that's not a panic button, you know, but in our old brains, it comes off as a panic button. We get the same shot of hormones we would get if we were like literally still hunting for our food and that predator was after us. So we have to be able to learn to engage our parasympathetic or our rest and digest nervous system, which you can do with the breath. And you can do when you start working with the exhalation of the breath. So it's learning the mechanics to make sure you're engaging the diaphragm correctly. Mm -hmm. And then it's learning that you want to make the exhalation longer mm -hmm. than your inhalation to turn on the parasympathetic nervous system so that you calm yourself down. Talking about pain in your ankle, you know, if you had known this at that point, that could have dropped your pain, you know, maybe you go from a seven, eight to a four, five or something. I'm not saying it's going to, it's the ultimate pain reliever, but it could have brought some of that pain down. So on a physical level, you can get that reduction. And that is so true. The for those of you out there, sympathetic, parasympathetic, and you think, what the hell are they talking about? So the sympathetic, as you quite rightly said, is the fight and flight, and that is how to very quickly defend yourself or run away, and adrenaline and noradrenaline are the two hormones that get chucked out, and yeah. And that system works works throughout the body, and there are the nerves there that are related to that, they're sort of sitting on the spine, pops your ankle. When it comes to the parasympathetic nervous system, that's the opposite. That's the one that helps us to calm down, that helps us to to actually rejuvenate, regenerate, heal. That is that, that time of rest and relaxation that we so need in nowadays life. And that comes from the opposite, the parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system um, is mainly located in the head and actually in the very lower back. Now, from the head, it actually has one nerve coming through. It's called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve sort of travels um, from the head on the inside and actually travels through your chest, travels through the diaphragm down there. That's like a cord that is sort of going there. And guess what happens when the dome of the diaphragm goes... So it actually massages and pulls the cord and says, Oi, I want a bit of peace and quiet, please. <laughs> Imagine it like that, okay? Maybe a little bit simplified, but 
come on. It is. You look in an anatomy book, you'll see it. So therefore, if you think, how does breathing link with the brain? Well, it's a, it has a direct wire going up. Okay. So that's how important it is. How cool is that? So there you are. And here's Michelle, because Michelle has actually figured out ways how to pull that cord, how to pull that string, how to actually say, Oi, I need rest and relaxation. So could you teach me, please? Could you, could you, could you tell me what to do in this case? How shall I breathe? Let's say I'm that, let's say I'm that kind of a guy. It's really, I'm quite nervous here doing this interview. What, what, what would you say? Exactly. So a lot of times if somebody was to be in that extreme of a breathing posture, we would, we would lay down because when you take away gravity, it mm. makes the brain feel safer. So everything that our body does is because the brain has decided it's safe. Now it may not make logical sense to you, but it is what the brain has interpreted as safe. So we're always trying to create a feeling of safety within any of the exercises that we do, you know, cause sometimes a lot of us have been kind of like, you know, grind it out, um, you know, just, just grind it out. You got That's it. Right, yeah. That's not going to work. Your, your nervous system is going to override you and it's going to put the brakes on. So we always want to, we always want to make it safe. So if you are truly somebody that you are like, Oh, what's she talking about? What are they talking about? We're going to go look and you're, you're up here like this, go lay down to start with, you know, because you're going to need to start with gravity eliminated. And the easiest way to do if you're at that level is to use one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly and to work on just trying to feel the expansion through your stomach up front, right? So if you're so stuck in your chest, don't worry about the 360, you know? Like we need to get you to, to realize where the diaphragm is first. Exactly. So we start with that and you can, use, you can use your hand and if you feel safe with that, you can do it. Then you can put a little book on you so that you get some weight so that you have something to go against to give it a little bit of resistance because the diaphragm is a muscle. So we do need to make it work a little bit. And exactly what you were saying with the way that the, the nervous systems work, I'm usually very kind of general when I talk like this, just because I'm specific when I work with a client as to where their nervous system is. You'll hear, if you go search breathing, you'll hear box breathing, which usually people talk about four, 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 four. And that just means inhaling for four, holding at the top of that inhale for four, exhaling for four, and then holding that exhale for four. Well, if you're stuck like this and you're really anxious, no way you're going to be holding your breath for four. Your body is going to be fighting you like crazy. So we meet you where you're at. If you're having a panic moment, maybe it's two seconds, you know, just, just do twos. And then as you start to practice and you're able to pull that time up, your, your breath starts to teach you what state you're in if you're still struggling to figure out if you're stressed or anxious or nervous. Because if you think, oh, I'm going to go do my breathing, and you're like, okay, it's a four-count day, and you're like, oh, no, it's a two-count day, then you know that your nervous system is amped up, and that sympathetic nervous system is turned on, and you can get curious. I tell people to just, just be curious about things. So like, if you find yourself in that situation, what, what was it? What was going on? You know, did you, um, 
you know, not get breakfast out the door for the kids? Did, you know, something happen? Did, did the Zoom mess up on a call that you thought you were going to do and you had to reschedule? You know, all these subtle things that can add up very quickly in modern life. And we, we just brush off and we brush off and we brush off. Um, you start to realize how they're impacting you and affecting you. Mm. And then that gives you the power to be able to manage your life better, you know, because we're all different, you know, every, every person is different. And some people can, has a, has a bandwidth up to here and they can crush it and crank it out all day long. Now, I don't think that's sustainable, you know, 24, seven, 365, that's a different conversation, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, there's still people who have bigger energy tanks than other people's have. And it's just learning what works for you and what's going to make you the best version of yourself. And, you know, giving yourself grace to have that and step into that. I love what you said, listen to your body, because it says things, it wants to tell you, it it, it sends you messages. And mm-hmm. the, the breathing pattern is one of them. It is, it is, uh not uncommon for me uh to have an anxiety attack quotation mark label it negatively or to rephrase that it is not uncommon for me that i don't fulfill the needs of my body and it talks back to me and actually says stefan um (laughs) and typically it is when i've got something like that when i feel oh my god what's going on i go to the toilet sit in a cubicle and actually listen to my breathing and often enough, I want to go <laughs> and just exaggerate because that's what my body really wants to do. It wants to scream. And that's the, yeah. and then I say, okay, cool. Thank you. Got the message. Um, so what's going on? Let's talk. And that is so powerful. First of all, I don't whip myself. How dare I have got this feeling? Uh, but rather I listen to it and say, okay, obviously my body needs to tell me something. What is it? So have I drunk enough? Have I hydrated? No, you're dry like a crisp, you donkey. Okay, now fair enough. So go out there, have a glass of water. Then breakfast. Oh, which breakfast? Right. Okay, now <laughs> have something healthy. Um, those kind of things. And then there are the times when you find yourself, well, actually, I have to deal with this asshole at work and he really rubs me up the wrong way. And quick check. No, it's not me. He is just an asshole. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then yeah, okay. Then that's 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 fair. There's not much you can do about that asshole. I'd rather manage the situation. But you have dealt all the other things. So you've you've analyzed very quickly. And I mean, what I've described this process would take me maybe ten seconds, five seconds, something like that in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can train yourself to listen to your body. And what you're describing is gold, Michelle. Is gold. So brilliant. And the more you practice, the quicker it is. So, you know, this is your first foray into kind of listening to your body or doing things. It does take time. And I'll be honest, I talk about this. I teach this. I practice this. I still have habits, you know, I mean, I am constantly working on it. I like to hold my breath and I do find a lot of folks, especially with the computer work and stuff like that. um, We're holding our breath, you know, and it's not till people are starting to have the headaches or the, um, yeah, the, the, the brain fog or anything like that, that I'm going, okay, I, I'm going to get you to put a timer on your your phone. I'm going to get you to put something on your wrist to snap something to bring you back to your present because, um, the screens are real easy to zone out on and the breathing, uh, patterns deteriorate pretty quickly. 
Interesting. I didn't think about that. And <laughs> you mean a rubber band? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's that's like a really old school piece of advice, but I still like it. I mean, because it's it's tactile, right? So like uh, my biggest use of the body is any of the senses. The sensory system is uh-huh. what gives input to the brain. You know, it uh-huh. runs up that nervous system, gets processed in the brain, you get you produce a motor output. And so whatever whatever it is, you know, um, I should. <laughs> I'm like looking around. I had essential oils somewhere. I usually have an oil that I'm going to smell. Just just something to simulate any sensory portion of the body is going to help. Uh-huh. Because your, your, your pattern disrupt. You're essentially, mm-hmm. ah, nice one. I like. Mm-hmm. I like a lot. Um, no, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, equally, the, the breathing that you were saying, that you're sort of forgetting it, that's what we do. Uh, breathing is one of these things that happens automatically. Yet, when we actually focus on it, we can change it dramatically and can alter, alter, therefore, our perception. So mm-hmm. you were saying that you, by accident, hold your breath yeah. when you do a thing. Um, that is interesting. I didn't actually uh, click onto that. Um, I... I actually do hold my breath, but being an anesthetist, I utilize that also to expand my lungs because I know that that with the shallow breathing, some bits of my lungs actually just collapse. It just go Mm -hmm. blip, blip. Mm -hmm. And then there's, when you do shallow breathing, they don't take part in gas exchange. So you're actually reducing the amount of oxygen that can come in. And therefore, you drop a bit down, you get a bit more. Uh, so by actually taking a deep breath in, holding your breath, that's what we do after an anesthetic in order to open your lungs up and then make sure that they can partake again in, in the gas exchange. That is something really nice to do. And I guess that's that's equally something, some very beneficial uh, aspect of your uh, of your voluntary changes in breathing, i.e. So you were describing the box breathing, the four, 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 four. Um, right. This is, I, I um, was always more, more partial to sort of uh, take a deep breath in on X, uh, and then hold the breath for X times two, um, and then breathe out over X. Um, how is that something? I mean, what are the advantages of the different types of breathing patterns? Um, right. So the um, that one often gets called the four, seven, eight breaths yeah. because you're taking a um, shorter inhalation than yeah. your pause and your exhalation. Yeah. And again, it's getting your body used to um, CO2, actually, having right. increased CO2 tolerance. Right. So it's resetting exactly what you were talking about, all those physiological symptoms. Symptoms. <laughs> Systems. Limbs. Sorry, That's I'm right. so used to saying symptoms. <laughs> I keep saying it. Systems <laughs> in the body. <laughs> um, and then engaging the parasympathetic, the rest right. and digest exhalation because the um, expiratory muscles control the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's where that comes into practice. Um, you, you can use the breath to energize. So some of the Wim Hof methods, if you're familiar with that, or I'm, I'm trying to think like breath of fire, I think it's called, can, you know, also um, get, it, it gets blood flow to the brain, right? It gets everything going to the brain and amps you up. I just normally work with more people who um, it serves them better to learn to have a little bit more CO2 tolerance and to actually 
get all of the gas back out of their body, you know, because exactly what you're saying, like they, they're just not using all the loads. Plus you have to think about our posture, right? So like we are in these computers, we get, we get forward. So that's going to round everything in. So when you're in that rounded posture, you already have a 30% reduction in your diaphragm volume itself. So if you're here, you have to start even breathing more through the chest just because the diaphragm is not going to work. So all of that together mm. is where my interest in breath work is, is focused on. You know, like I said, there's so many different <laughs> types of breath work mm. out there. Mm. You can do breath work for energizing, but I just typically give people resources for that because I'm, mm. I'm have people who are drawn to me to try and calm them. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there is, there is, there are extremes in the other way. And when I say extremes and techniques in the other way, I think there is absolutely nothing wrong with uh, you energizing yourself in the sense of standing in front of the bathroom mirror, actually, it's sort of, I would go into the cubicle, realize what the hell is going on, then come out. <laughs> and if no one is there, look in the mirror, you can do that and get take a power posture. And the yeah. power posture is typically actually opening your chest up, mm -hmm. taking a deep breath in. I can do that. Yeah. And give myself some kind of pep, pep, look, pep, uh, that kind of a thing. You can do it kind of a thing. So yeah. not only have I opened up my chest and did something about that, I also use that technique as a trigger, as a press the button. Okay. Now it's energy. Now it's crunch time. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's, it is, so that is a milder version of it. The Wim, um, Wim Hof uh, breathing is an extreme version of breathing where you go massive breaths deep in and out very fast and you completely change your, uh, the state of your body due to the way that you massively shift the acid base balance in your blood, you are shifting the electrolytes in your blood, you're doing massive changes, um, which uh, oh yeah, they're, they're brutal. And I'm not sure that I subscribe to that. I've tried uh, for hell no, hell no. Um, so uh, these are extreme things. And that is one extreme. So we can, in other words, we can use breathing patterns to calm our body down. Uh, or we can use them to shift us in the other way. The more extreme you are, the more they can have their own problems. So therefore, it's it's well worthwhile realizing, hey, you know, start gently, start learning about your body and start learning with someone who actually has done it once or twice. Hey, not just <laughs> listen to us and then now let's go to the extreme because I'm extreme. And I'm worth it. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, so that's cool. So we've, we've touched upon the breathing, how important it is. And now there was another topic, the lymph drainage. So let's quick, quick anatomy, physiology. Um, the, there is fluid throughout your body. We are 50, 60, 70% made out of water. Now this water can be in the cells. That's, yeah, that's where it belongs. It can be around the cells, but outside of the blood vessels. And it can be in the blood vessel. So these three compartments. So it's cool. And there's a massive flow of water happening in 24 hours. 80,000 liters of water 
are going in and out and in and out and in and out of these blood vessels. So they are going out to bring oxygen and nutrients to the cells and they're bringing rubbish and CO2 back into the blood vessels and go back up. So that is how it is supposed to work. Now, there is there's some of the stuff that doesn't get back through the blood vessels, but it's actually sort of sitting around the, the tissues. And that's where the body has created sort of an, a, a separate system, the lymph system, that is sort of drawing some of that rubbish and some of that stuff out, collecting it outside of the blood vessels and uh, giving a second pathway, sort of, you know, if, if you can choose more or less, some, some, some substances or some bits can choose. So the lymph drainage, that is really what is happening. It's again, it's something that, that we take for granted and if we don't even know about until something goes terribly pear-shaped. Um, so, so quick summary there. So what's this lymph drainage? So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a getting rid of rubbish system kind of in the body. So what about it? But it's, why do we need to know about it? Exactly. So beautiful description of what it, what it is. And when we're talking about the arteries and veins, the lymph, uh, lymphatic vessels run right along those channels throughout the whole body. So it is head to toe, whole body. And the big key with the lymphatic system is that it does not have a natural pump. So your blood vessels have your heart to pump it and to move it. Your lymphatic system does not. It is dependent on your body moving and the muscular contractions mm. to get it to return the fluid back up and get it out um, through the venous system. So that is great, but we are a very, very, very undermoved society. So mm. we don't get enough natural diversity of movement anymore to have our lymphatic system working. So you have to really think about, you know, kind of like back to the hunter gatherers when people were literally squatting to get water and then carrying it on their head and reaching back and pulling up because the, the hinge joints, the shoulders and the hips, they have really big lymphatic channels. And we used to do so much natural movement throughout the day to take care of ourselves, right? Um, I, I made bread the other day. I think I've made bread twice in my life and I was shocked when the directions were like, knead the bread for 15 minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> but it's just, you know, that's how much we've outsourced our, our movement that, you know, that once upon a time would be nothing. And that's a lot of small, little detailed movements. But when you're doing something like that all day long or a good portion of the day in order to feed yourself and bathe yourself and protect yourself, you know, um, it, it got the lymphatic system working. And nowadays we don't do that. So it gets backed up very, very quickly. Mm. So we have to be a lot more mindful about actually doing work on it. The first thing that most people come across when you hear about the lymphatic system is something called dry brushing. And dry brushing is using like a, a bristle, kind of a board bristle brush and rubbing it gently on your skin. Like you start at the ankles and you rub up the leg and you're always rubbing towards the heart, right? Because remember the lymphatic system doesn't have a natural pump. So we've got to get it to the, the pump vessels to get it to be able to be 
be excreted from the body. Mm. So you go up the legs, you come down the arms, into the chest, into the chest, you could come up the stomach. And that's a really great first practice to have. But I've gotten a little bit more specific because there are bigger areas of lymphatic drainage and lymphatic chains in the body. So the thoracic duct, which pairs beautifully with the breathing, is right under your collarbones. So in the middle, you know, where they come together, right underneath and right above is where you want to stimulate before you try and do any of your lymphatic work because you want the lymphatic duct to be open. You don't want to do all this work and then it gets down there and it can't go anywhere, you know, because then it's just going to back itself back up. Mm. So we do a lot of work opening up the lymphatic duct um, first. And then there's a lot of, so it's drainage through the lymph system, but also vagal nerve toning. So it's kind of a two for one Mm. Um, and using that to get this to open up. You know, it's interesting that part of your story is food changes helped with allergies. Me too as well. But honestly, what really made it so that I didn't have to take pharmaceuticals during our allergy seasons was doing this particular neck and head lymphatic drainage. I started doing it in the fall of 20. 19. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in the spring of 2020, I didn't take a single pharmaceutical drug for my allergies. And I'm talking about, I had allergy shots until I was 21. I was always on a, uh, a pill and a nasal spray. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, I didn't, I I was not moving my lymphatic system and I did not know how to do some of the manual techniques. And then you can do movements, right? So people will talk about using a rebounder, like a trampoline type bouncing thing. That's another great way to move your lymphatic system. There's some, you know, cool vibration plates you can get, you know, into purchasing toys. (laughs) You can do that. Um, but so honestly, how do they how do they work? Because you're still standing on them, so it's still against gravity. So how do they work? Yeah, but it's it's because it's actually shaking it and moving it. So yeah. it's getting it's getting those muscles to, to, exactly. to move it. Like you're not actively moving it, but something else is moving that's it why. for you. Because your muscles con- that you would, that's why definitely- <laughs> your muscles contract. Yeah. And it's the contraction yep. there. So you've got the lymph vessels that are sitting next to the muscles there. And you, because you're you're holding yourself on such a wobble board, um, so it's constant tension there happening. And that's squeezing the fluid through the, the lymphatic vessels up there. So you can imagine that, that. What about me lying down and just legs up in the air? Would gravity not drain that? Would that not help? Yeah. Yep. So that's a really great practice. You know, again, if you're a little bit more challenged right now, that would be a great starting practice to do to help to be able to drain it. Again, there are gentle manual techniques you can do where you stimulate down um, through the the groin region, like the hip bone into the the middle uh, midline. There's the inguinal, you know, region right there. And there's a big lymphatic chain Mm. that sits there. So if you stimulate there and then along the adductors and behind the knee and the popliteal space. So you can manually do a lot of work mm. if you're not able to do some of the more active movements. Um, and the nicest thing is like, I always tell people, I'm like super, super light, you know, pretend like you're just, you're just 
soothing a baby, you know, like the lightest touch that you do when you just rub over a baby's mm. head, you know, the lymphatic system sits right underneath the skin, the epidermis, it's mm. fragile. So this is not a grind in and get it, you know, it's a, it's another way to work gently with the body, mm. which I think is also why I'm drawn to it, you know, another way to love your body. Mm. And again, there are, there are techniques for both in the sense of, um, we we sometimes think we need to put huge effort into it and we need very expensive machines and very expensive things now they can be of help no two ways around that and they they some of them like a light touch will not necessarily uh empty a a completely blocked up kind of system in there but it will start and it will tell your body what you're actually doing is you're teaching your body to again um pay attention to what it needs to do. Sometimes our body is as confused as we are because there's so many things <laughs> happening. It's so noisy out there. And it's with our body is the same. And sometimes when we actually pay attention to it and actually give your body a chance um, to have, um, to reconnect with itself, the reconnective healing to a certain degree there, um, there is, um, suddenly things change. And don't, be surprised to see actually tremendous changes happening once you pay attention to those little things, to yeah. the simple touch, to the to allow yourself, if it is safe to do so, to do a hug with someone, a nice, long, 20-second hug. Um, it would be nice if you know that person. Um, if you don't, <laughs> don't do it to a stranger out there. Uh, it's probably frowned upon. <laughs> but, you know, it is sometimes just that. And then see what happens to your breathing pattern. See actually what, what messages are coming through with that. And, mm. uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing. It is, it's, get to know your body again. Because if you were uh, like me for, for many years where we distract ourselves with work and then alcohol and then whatever other things, uh, you never take the time out to actually listen to your body. And I think that I've, if there's one thing that I've learned now is to do that and to, to just listen, take time out and listen. And don't be afraid to, to go slow with it and know it's going to take a while because when I was a huge distractor too. And when you start to try and give yourself time and space to do some of these practices, your, your mind is not going to like it. You know, that's where the mind starts fighting back really quickly. So if you have to start with just doing it for a minute, just do it for a minute because okay. something is always better than nothing. And again, like we were talking about foundations earlier, this is setting the foundation mm. and the more you do it, the, easier it gets, the longer you can do it. And over time, you start to see those really big changes. Hmm. And indeed, if you look at, at some of the other um, kind of techniques for well-being out there, if you look at yoga, well, there are so many different versions of yoga, but many of these versions are A, to, to calm your mind down. And what do they use? The breathing. So as an example there, so if you say, I really enjoy my yoga because it stretches me, 
yeah, maybe you also enjoy your yoga because you finally actually give yourself some time for some serenity and to live truly in the here and now whilst you're holding that posture. Um, so there are maybe more things happening there than you accept and that you that you like. And for me, it is it is if I go for a really long swim, one, two, three Ks, and then um, just at the end, just lie there you know, or sit there in the water and my mind is calm and my breathing is calm and it is beautiful it is it is a, a reconnecting with yourself so however that occurs um find find and create situations where you allow yourself to get to that space and once you achieve that it becomes a bit of an addiction because you actually, your body says, ooh, that's nice. Can we do that again? <laughs> so, so, no, brilliant, Michelle. And, and, and here you are. You've got, you, we touched upon two fundamental things, the lymph drainage and the, uh, the breathing. But there's so much more to well-being. So we, we guys gave you today, we gave you a bit of a teaser there. We gave you, <laughs> that's right. And so therefore, that's maybe a start of a journey to, to faster plant those seeds. And uh, if, if you now, if you guys are now getting first in thing, tell us more. Michelle, how can people find you? How can people get to know more about you and maybe even link up with you that you can teach them uh, via this beautiful internet? Yes. Well, come over to my Instagram at I am Dr. Michelle Krause. That's where I am active and have posts up and do stories and starting to do some Instagram lives. So come on over there. Let me know what's going on and what you need. Exactly. Look down there, guys, into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast. I've got Michelle's details down there. And whilst you're down there, press that subscribe button. Okay. And if you really, I mean, it's, it's getting Christmassy now, we're towards the end of the year. You think, oh, what can I give Stefan? <sighs> I tell you what, why don't you go to iTunes and press the download button on all my podcasts? And why don't you do maybe the same? Just just hit the, the uh, go to my YouTube channel and hit the like button to some and think, Hey, that's really good stuff. Tell your friends. So these would be nice Christmas presents. So just, just, just if you're wondering. Uh, otherwise, the more we can all connect, the more we can all work together, we can make this world a different place. We can work, first of all, on ourselves. We can learn to love ourselves and to go back to basics, uh, to, to learn how to breathe so that it suits us better. We learn how to get rid of the rubbish in our bodies by looking at the lymph drainage. Um, there's so much we can do, so much. And so, so sometimes we're in this kind of victim and powerless and helpless scenario. Okay, that's, that's yeah, sometimes we are there and sometimes it feels like it. Rest assured, it's not. It's not, I'm, I'm living proof and probably Michelle is, uh, if we dig long and hard enough, then we find there's, there's a bit more going on there in trauma that we have not touched upon and we don't need to today um, because today was really t giving you a technique and a skill. But these techniques and skills are, can be a lifesaver. And for that, Michelle, I'm so grateful that you came onto my show. Thank you so much for teaching us and, and showing your passion. 
You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. I enjoy talking to everybody. Absolutely. You guys out there, I believe in you. Stay strong and look after yourself. Bye.